Thank you, Sister Mary Dominic, for coming. Sister Mary Dominic has been teaching uh, scripture, uh, and she is a professor uh, at Aquinas College, a professor in the English department, uh, but has also taught scripture very much, as you may remember. Um, and Sister is going to continue today with the Psalms, part two. So please help me to welcome Sister Mary Dominic. Thank you for coming back. Okay, thank you. So I'm going to do that again so I can. I, um, I have two presentations that I, I shortened on to the research of the I thought that the events would be uh, because the events are important that we can put out a little bit. I put that in the because I wanted to get to the design of the But I think I, I think I say that somewhere. Document I know of where the people 
criticize themselves because they're not idealized the way they were. The laments have a sort of a five-part structure. Um, usually there is a petition, this actually should say petition introduction of some kind, uh, by, by God, by God, you, you address God, why have you forsaken me? Why are, why are you so far from helping me? This is our Lord's song, praising the cross. And then there will be a complaint after that. This is why God should pay attention to the psalmist. And then a confession of trust after the complaint. Then the psalmist will say, as for me, Lord, I will, I'll call to you for help. And so the psalmist shows uh, the trust there. That there is a petition sometime for joy or release or other kinds of things. I haven't been keeping track of which songs these are, um, but and the laments are all over the place. But I think I could get you a list of the songs of the I don't have a list on here. The only ones I know by heart are the penitential songs, those numbers, but this is not one of those. And then finally, surprisingly enough, a lament ends in praise of God. This is actually the same Psalm 22 that our Lord says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't come, I didn't mention this. Um, but he's actually quoting this Psalm praising God. And it goes on to say, All of the nations will praise you. The afflicted will be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord, and your hearts live forever. And that's the song of the story why I never saw It ends in another hope. Oh, is there a hope in the world? Now here are the seven penitential songs, and I don't think I knew the history because I was trying to But the, they, were, they were gathered, I think, together in the Middle Ages, and they were used at people's deathbeds and that. And they were also very popular in the Renaissance. St. John Fisher wrote a commentary on them, the one who was executed was St. John's Moore. And we said that for a minute, every morning, They really have a tone of misery and loneliness, so just a couple of quotations. Um, my body is wrecked. I wrench my pillow with tears. There's a lot of, um, I think on, on the next slide too, but the Jews tend to, in Hebrew scriptures, they, I think I told you this last time, they, they take the parts of the body and they have you praising God with like your lips or your and here are your tears and your body and your bones and your bone and I've got another couple of things here. Yes, my heart is wounded like the grass, my heart is numb, and so um, all the parts of your body, your tongue, your mouth, uh, your lips, you praise God. The heart was considered to be the seat of thinking, actually, in ancient Israel. And so it would be the part that would be focused on your life. 
The most famous of the Confucian songs is Psalm 51, which uh, David gives pretty good reason to believe that David did write this song. And you know that the story that after he, uh, he made sure that Bathsheba's husband, after he committed adultery with her, he made sure that her husband would be killed in battle. Uh, he gave the general explicit instructions to make sure that Uriah's was dead right back up, left left and standing. And so the prophet Nathan, of course David, who thought that only he and the general knew this, but then um, before the prophet Nathan told a parable about a man who had a little lamb and then his rich neighbor had a huge flocks of herds. One of them took the poor man's lamb and then killed it for a, a dinner he was giving. And David said, um, you know, by my faith that man should die. And, and David said, you were there. You took the man's, the man's life and you had all the entire family. And David admits that he sinned against the Lord. And so um, this Psalm 51, he is begging for forgiveness. This is where it begins. Created me clean heart of God and the Lord Spirit within me. Because His Spirit is not right. Cast me not from your presence. Your Holy Spirit take not from me. Give me the joy of your salvation. And your Spirit sustain within me. So this is all petition. He's begging God to forgive him for the sins of the adultery and the Lord committed to the Lord.
it is a, the prevailing mood here is sadness because this, the Jews remember their time in exile and then when they were in Egypt and they were in Babylon all rolling and rolling and um, so they, I don't have all the songs to read to you but um, I'll read you some, some little um, passages here and there but their captors apparently used lying words about them uh, rather than weapons. So the psalmist has to suffer the taunting of the captors. And in verse 3, the psalmist is provoked to do the worst Hebrew first that he can say to his captors, which is, they unnameable hills fall upon you. That's a good thing to be used because you don't understand what they are. <laughs> In that same song, the psalmist said he's forced to live among the tent dwelling nomads of Kedar and the barbarians um, in, in a region that is in the current border area of Turkey and Iran. And as I was getting this ready, it, um, it was kind of spooky what's going on right now at the border of Turkey and Iran. And I thought, here we are, full circle, um, with the barbarian um, nomads. And that, those were the ones who had captured the Jewish people, or at least they were forced to, they were forced to dwell there in uh, like nomads in tents. But then the very next song after that, Psalm 141, is a great hopeful song. They're looking at the eyes, they're looking toward Jerusalem, they're on the road. Um, this is the song that says, when your God never slumber or sleep. Um, but when uh, he never, may, the Lord is the guardian of Israel, when your guardian never slumber or sleep. And if you notice that one, um, the word um, slumber or sleep, you may just think, you know, one of the two words say it anyway, it's a nice word. Actually, slumber in Hebrew was moon, which means to fall asleep through slow and laziness, and then there's just a regular neutral word to sleep. And so the psalmist is saying something like, not only does God not fall asleep out of laziness, but he doesn't sleep at all. So while the poor bone-weary pilgrims are sleeping without fear, their sleepless guardian is watching over them. The word guardian occurs six times in this psalm that only has eight verses. He's called the guardian in Jeremiah 5, and the psalmist identifies him, the Lord is your guardian and protector at your right hand. This is the same guardian who accompanied Israel in the pillar cloud by day and the pillar tire by night, so he's going with them. <coughs> this is actually not one of the not one of the some sense, but it, it, it might as well be somebody more in where they're going out. So this one is very much in the spirit of the song of the one. Psalm 142 is a great joyful one, and it's as if they had already arrived, which they haven't yet, but they're, they're anticipating that. When I was teaching this a few years ago, I noticed something. I'm going to show you a diagram that 
showing that the pilgrims, they climbed the steps of the temple. There are these steps. That may not be the actual temple, but they were, they were great steps that they would go up. And the song goes up steps. And here's how it does it. You can't read this at all, but I'm gonna, I have some slides I want to show you over on these, these, um, but it starts in the lower left-hand corner, and I'll just go ahead and, and in the lower left-hand corner, so I, I rejoice when I heard him say, let us go to God's house, and now our feet are standing, that's the second, within your gates, and then the third one, Jerusalem's going to the city. But each one lines of the song, has a, it has a chain structure where it picks up the, the word that's in the previous. And so it seems to me like it, it goes up steps. And uh, here are the actual verses. I rejoice when I heard them say, let us go. And now our feet are standing. That's the kind of Hebrew thing I think I told you last month when they tend to repeat things in different words. And sometimes it's the same word. Like they'll say, oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city and compact unity. It is there that the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, for Israel's law it is, each one of these is one of the squares in the picture. Israel's law it is that the praise of Lord's name, there were seven thrones of judgment, which would be the law of the house of David. And then the rest of the the rest of the psalm just gives you peace after peace after peace. For the peace of Jerusalem pray, peace be to your homes, that peace break in your walls, in your palaces, peace. For love of my brethren and friends, I say, peace upon you. For love of the house of the Lord, I will ask for your good. So you have the word peace interwoven in all these places in the way you live. It's such a beautiful psalm. Psalm 123 is a beautiful one, I think, also. It's, uh, I don't know how you call it, let me just read it because it's, it's very short. There's another part. To you I raise my eyes, to you in heaven, like the eyes of servants on the hand of your masters, like the eyes of a maid on the hand of mistress. So our eyes are on the Lord our God, to we are shown favor, as if they are looking for. They're looking, their eyes never leave him. They never leave his hands. They're like a servant with, with anticipating wishes of the master and mistress. They, they never stop looking at him. And their eyes just are fixed on him. And he shows us the favor of going up to Jerusalem. And then there's a, um, a sort of a side part at the end. I think it was why they're waiting for, why they're waiting Service begging for help, or rather begging to keep their eyes on his hands. They say, Show us favor, Lord, show us your favor, for we have our full of content. Our souls are more than faded and saturated with mockery from the insult, with contempt from the arrogant. I've always thought that that was, um, that that was ambiguous in a way, because it could be as if they were filled with contempt, but also that their enemies are contemptuous of them. The last thing we want to indicate that. So it could be that their, their eyes are fixed on him until they show us, they, he shows them the favor of releasing them from their enemies. This next one is very exciting. This one is a song about the escape from Egypt. 
think that last month I showed you Psalm 115 in Israel, I think that it's like, um, it's like the mountains skipping like, but this is a different one. They're saying, if the Lord hadn't been with us, this is a kind of an antiphonal song where they say that the one side of the chant, had the Lord not been with us, the other can say, say it again, Israel, had the Lord not been with us, when man rose against us, then the waters would have engulfed us and the torrent overwhelmed us. And then you can see what they're talking about there. If the Lord hadn't been with them, there would be waters and torrent. Literally, in the Red Sea, we were over nothing. The water would drown us. We then mentioned the video, we changed the images. We escaped our lives like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare was broken and we escaped. Our help is in the middle of the world from the end of the earth. So that's a wonderful one, just about the escape from Egypt. And of course, the the Pilgrimage Festival is probably the Passover, which commemorates the escape from Egypt. Psalm 125 is a song of trust and confidence in the Lord. Of course, they're going up to Jerusalem, which is surrounded by hills. And so I tried to find a couple of slides and cities surrounded by hills. Those trusting in the Lord are like Mount Zion. And uh, even though the temple is at a high point, the city in itself, they may not be literal or figurative with us. They're led by Mount Zion and Shechemal forever enduring as the mountains surround Jerusalem. The Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. And it goes on, the scepter of the wicked will not prevail in the land allotted to the just. Do good, Lord, to the good, to those who are upright of heart. Peace upon Israel. One of their favorite themes of any of the songs. Psalm 126 is my favorite, uh, and I think in the most often. And I didn't have really a picture that I could give you that would, that would quite capture it. I shouldn't try to capture it all as human words, in fact, but I think I can say it by heart. Um, and then the Lord, and then the Lord, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who were in Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the water courses in the Reagan. May those who sow in tears live with shouts of joy. He who goes forth weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his shoes with him. So there are several images. Here, one I think is really, I call it the wind of joy. When, they, when King Cyrus came through and, and uh, captured Babylon, then. We captured that one. Uh, yeah, they were like at home. They couldn't believe it because when their mouths were filled with laughter, their tongues came up, the parts of their mouth, 
and even the, the going, the, the Gentiles, and the Lord is going to break into them. And then there are two great images. One is to restore their fortunes, like the, the water forces in the Negev, which is the desert. And, and, and so you can imagine um, the dry bodies all of a sudden filling with water, rushing, like they're rushing home after the dry grass and their exile. And then there's probably that famous uh, scene where they're going out the seeds, weeping because there's so much hard work, sowing the seed, but then they come, they come home rejoicing, carrying their sheaves and praying. And the, the harvest was always a time when it was very rejoicing. So they have come home and it's very rejoicing. So that, um, it's, it's, it's sort of like trying to explain anything that you, you love. I can't explain that that song, but it, it goes through all the different moves from being delivered without, without expecting it at all. And then, you know, bring us back like Russian waters and bring us back like a harvest where we are rejoicing. Now we go, to this is one of, if the Lord does not build a house and lay his build his labor, um, if the Lord does not um, build a city, What's showing, what you see here is uh, a Jewish artist, apparently did this is a whimsical picture that illustrates the song where the, the Lord is, the angel there is the Lord building the city. And uh, you, know, you might as well not worry about this, you're going to toil in vain anyway. And the watchman is going to watch in vain if the Lord is the Lord of the city. There's a watchman there. And then, Oh, there's the building, the building. The Lord doesn't build the house and the building in vain. You know, well, they're both in vain, the watchman and the building. If, if the Lord doesn't help you. And then there's the, the father, they're holding a baby, and the two little children. And there's a, a line to the effect that uh, if a man should, um, if, if having a man filled his quiver, with these arrows, and the arrows are the sons of his youth, his young man, because then he's an older man, then, then he, his sons will not guard the gates of his house. So the young men have lots of sons, and then um, they will, and there's the you know, bow and arrow and the quiver, the little children, the arrows and the quiver, and then they will grow up to be, to help you. So this, it's kind of a, the, um, there's not a direct connection with the Hebrew scripture, not particularly logical, they're not, so building and God's going to be building for you while you sleep, God watching in the city while you sleep, and then I guess God giving you sons, God giving you children. So we're all about families here, families and families and this group going up to, to the pilgrimage. And then um, here, here are a couple other family songs. Beautiful one here, blessed are those who fear the Lord and walk in His ways. This is the New American translation, this is the What your hands provide and enjoy, you will be blessed and prosper. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine in the recesses of your homes. Your children like your father and your 
just for the soul, man, to bless the fears of the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem's prosperity all the days of your life and live to see your children's children, the children of these little olive plants in here on the table. Peace upon Israel. This, um, this one is, uh, I skipped some, I think I have it here someplace, but, um, but this one is the, the one that my soul is, uh, is like a, a, an infant in its mother's lap, or um, a satisfied infant. Some, some uh, translations say <coughs> a wee child, but a child that is headed for a military wagon. And uh, there's another image like this in the end of the conference where I look at Israel as like a child in the lap of Jerusalem. But, uh, or maybe the, the readers are like children and, uh, and Israel is like a, a nursing mother. So the images of mothers taking care of children are very tender. There's a beautiful setting of this one by Lenny Bernstein, the composer who did some songs that I wanted to say, and sister play it for you, so I think it's beautiful. Oh, here's Psalm 103. I don't think that was so far from the end This was another one. Um, I did have a picture of it, actually, a picture of it, but um, very famous. This one is also one of the Songs. Out of the depths of the property of the Lord, the Lord hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my heart. So here's the psalmist trying to get God's attention as we saw this for the If you, O Lord, would mark my liberties, we could stand it. But with you, it's merciful forgiveness. So there's the comfort of the lament there for this man near you. And then there's a beautiful a beautiful stanza of My soul is waiting for the Lord. My soul is hoping for the Lord. My soul looks for the Lord more than sentiments for the Lord. This is one time I think the New American translation is going to be in Jerusalem. Several sentiments waiting for the Lord. More than sentiments waiting for the Lord. Let Israel hope for the Lord. This brings us to entering Jerusalem and uh, Psalm 132 is the longest of the Psalms. I think we're almost coming through the day. You can imagine the organizer pilgrims. This one commemorates when David brought the ark into Jerusalem. If you remember it in uh, 1 Samuel, he's dancing and, and uh, he's saying they're playing instruments and they're, they're bringing the ark and peace. He's dancing in front of it, and um, so in the psalm, he says that he will not even close his eyes or let his eyes close until he's brought the ark into Jerusalem and the land of there. And that's precisely what the pilgrims are. They're as if they were related in procession, bringing the ark into Jerusalem, although part of the ark is not confirmed, but it's where they're headed. Psalm 133 is, uh, is a beautiful one at this point. I think that there must be some, there must be a logic as much as they ever do logic in the Hebrew scriptures. 
The, the slides you had of the, uh, the three continents and the temple being the center, and you mentioned Noah's sons. Yes. Can you explain that a little bit? Yes. Um, Noah had three sons, as you know, with their wives, and so the, the tradition is that the three sons, this is a little bit like Cain and his wife, it, it takes a little bit of imagination, but, but remember these were Hebrews and they, didn't, they weren't Greeks, they didn't do logic, so, so the three sons, when Shem became the ancestor of the Semites, the Shemites, the people of Asia, Ham was the ancestor of the people of Africa, and uh, he's mentioned as such in the Psalms, and then, um, and then Japheth was the ancestor of the Europeans, and so those were the three that